0: You may be seated in the presence of God if you can. If you can't, go ahead and get your lap in. Amen. The book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah, if you're going to look it up in your Bible app, N E H, Nehemiah, Nehemiah, the second chapter. beginning at the 17th verse, Nehemiah chapter 2, if you find Psalms, you've gone too far, go back to the left, remember that the table of contents is your friend, the more you use it, the less you have to, amen, ain't no shame in that game, thank God for the Bible app on your phone, amen, Nehemiah chapter 2, beginning at verse 17, I'm reading from the New King James translation, the words might look a little different, but I promise you it means the same thing. The Bible says in verse 17, Then I said to them, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste, and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem, That we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God. Which had been good upon me. And also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. I want to talk about just for a moment. Let's do this. Listen. (laughs) There are some times in life. When things get to a certain point where you can't pray over it no more, you can't ask folks their opinion no more, you, you, you can't mess around and try to wait around and see what's going to happen, who's going to do what. Listen, it, it's it, things get to a point sometimes where the people of God have got to decide, I'm done waiting around on other folk. I mean, we, we, we can't wait on the politicians, if you're waiting around for the Democrats and Republicans and the Independents to figure out what they're going to do and if they're going to get together, you're going to be waiting a long time. You, you can't rely on the government. You can't think the business world is going to get done the kingdom agenda. You can't wait for conditions to be perfect. You can't wait till the heavens open up and God speaks to you in an audible voice. You can't rely on somebody else. Sometimes you just have to decide, I'm going to step out on faith. I'm going to get myself together. And I'm going to see God do some things that don't make sense because God always responds to faith sometimes you you, listen. Can I just keep it real with y'all today? I mean, I got on a dress anyway, so I'm just going to try to keep it as real as I can. The the, the whole point sometimes of what God does in our walks with him is that sometimes he'll put us in this spot where it's either we're going to walk by faith and not by sight or we're going to stay stuck. There's not going to be an in-between. You, you you can already recognize when it's time to do something. Now, you may not have all of the ins and outs of what to do. Okay, let me, let me just... Can I just keep it real? Sometimes, you know, we want God to speak to us in a GPS directions. Turn left here. Go forward 300 feet. Sometimes it's not going to come out like that. You just have to... Take all the information that you have, know that God is with you, know that God has spoken to you, knowing what God's promises are, and even though you may not see if it's going to work out or how it's going to work out, you've got to decide it's time to do something and whatever looks best for you at that moment, at that time, trust and take that step of faith, and even if you don't know what's going to happen, remember, he already said he's the God that works all things together for the good so even if the first step is a wrong step I'm talking to somebody that you spent a whole lot of time mad at God because you wait we're waiting on him to give you directions when he didn't say something you took a step and it looked like it went wrong as if God for some some way forgot about you and doesn't know how to take what looks like a mistake for you and turn it around for his glory and for your good and to make that wrong step turn into the best first step you could have possibly taken I don't know who I'm talking to, but I I ain't even in my message yet. I'm just just here to speak to somebody that you're you're stuck because you're waiting on God and God is waiting on you. He doesn't need you to have all of the information. He needs you to trust him. (laughs) Watch this. The the, the Lord is at the point where he's looking for some self-starters who are all about solutions. It's time to Fix this. Listen, I, I spent just a little bit of time this week trying to watching the news, hoping and praying. Lord, please don't let this bomber. <laughs> please, Jesus. Some of y'all already know where I'm going with that. Please don't let it don't I, <laughs> And they running around trying to figure all of this stuff out. And you got folks on the news trying to break down who bombers are and, and historical solutions of bombers. And I'm just, somebody fix this. Have you ever just spent some time watching the news saying, don't none of this make sense? What are we doing? The people that we elect, they can't fix it. The people who we work for can't fix it. Everybody is running around scratching it, and it's crazy. You can flip channels, and they are from different political perspectives, but nobody has solutions. What if God wants us to stop looking to them, and he wants us who believe to step out on faith and start making the solutions that they can't figure out? When you come to, to the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah is an interesting fellow. He is one who can be described as a self-starter. The Bible talks about in the first chapter how he, he has this amazing position uh, in the government. His brother, uh, they are both Jewish by, by, by birth. His brother had traveled back to Jerusalem and then come back to the capital city of Susa of the Persian Empire. You remember the three hundred. Remember all of that? They were fighting the Persians. This is the actual Persian Empire. Uh, and and his, his brother tells him about the, the state of things back in Jerusalem and the things that he had experienced and seen. And, and it it moved something in Nehemiah. He, when he heard what was going on, when he heard what was wrong in Jerusalem, it personally affected him. And he knew he had to do something. Now, the problem was he he was like me and you. He had a job and he had bills. Wow, it got quiet right off down through there. He had a job. He had bills. But he knew God wanted him to do something. And so he went and petitioned his boss, who was the king. When you work for the king, you don't get days off. You don't have vacation time. The king's time is your time. But he asked the king for a leave of absence from his job. And to have administrative capability, money, and a security detail from the king to go back to his hometown in Jerusalem because he recognized something had to be done. And the Bible says, some kind of crazy way, you thought your boss was bad, but this king was crazy, but he gave Nehemiah everything he asked for. He gave him the money, he gave him the materials, he gave him the soldiers, he gave him everything that he asked for. So he travels back to Jerusalem, and in chapter 2, at the very beginning, he goes out and inspects the city for himself. He needs to see for himself how bad things are. He doesn't tell anybody what's going on. He sneaks out at night, and he views the situation of the city. Now, Jerusalem, at that point in time, had been conquered by the people. The, the Empire before the Persians it had been it had been conquered by first the Assyrians and then the Babylonians and they had wrecked the city based upon the, the fight that the Jews had put up in Jerusalem the, the, the Babylonians had decided oh we're going to make sure they don't never have this kind of sh- military strength ever again. And so the Bible says they they, they built up all of these uh, all of these uh, uh, piles up against the city walls. They burned them down. They burned all the gates. They turned. They tore everything down till it was nothing but rubble. And you had a few little people trying to eke out a living in the midst of this rubble of what used to be a capital city. And the Bible says that as Nehemiah inspects this, as he sees what's going on, it broke his heart. Now listen. I don't care how saved you are. I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord. I don't care if you mean. I don't care if you soft hearted. There are some things that you and I see in our community that ought to break our hearts. There are some conditions that that don't. They should not happen in these days and in these times. Uh, I, I've spent 20 years prior to being a lead pastor working with children, and there's some stuff children should never have to deal with. I was, I was at a meeting this week with the principal of Homestead Middle School, and she was telling me about a 7th grader. Who There was an older guy in the community that was recruiting them, and putting them in fake football uniforms and charging them $35 to go on the corners and beg for him. He was charging them to beg for him. And when she asked the kid why, he said, well, my mama gets her weave done, but I don't have any money to get my hair cut. Some of this stuff ought to break your heart. Some of this should not make sense. Because the Bible says that as Nehemiah looked at the situation of the city, he gathers the leaders and the inhabitants of the city together, and he casts a vision for a kingdom-impacting solution on that city. And he starts with, first of all, in verse 17, he gives them the challenges that they are facing that demand solutions. Look right there in verse 17. He says, you see the distress we're in. You see how Jerusalem lies waste. You see how the gates are burned with fire. We got to do something about this. This should not remain as it is. He he deals with, first of all, the distress, the emotional distress. To live in broke down situations causes emotional distress. Some of y'all already know because that's part of your testimony. You can look, you don't even have to look out in the hood. you can look at your own life. and you know that when things are in ruins, emotionally it's hard to deal with, to go through, and even to stomach. And some st- he says, listen, you see these challenges, that the people that live here emotionally have to deal with the burdens of living in this mess. that there are days when. God directs me to drive a different way to where I go grocery shop so that I can see stuff I try to drive past. Seeing the look on people's faces for what it, what it takes to try to eke out and survive in these circumstances, somebody ought to do something. He says to them, you see that Jerusalem lies waste. The idea of waste deals with what happens or the implications of drought. It's literally pointing to the economic situations and circumstances. He says, you see, that we, we can't even do business in this kind of stuff. That, that people are living, that, that, that they're, they're living hand to mouth. You you see how people are struggling just to make it in this economic environment. Now, now here's the truth. All of us aren't balling out of control, but all of us aren't broke. But there are some around us that if you're waiting for politicians to figure out how to make sure nobody has to live in bad economic circumstances, I've been around enough of them to know you're going to wait a long time. He says, look at the economic circumstances of what people are dealing with. How can you drive past this? How can you walk past this? How can you see this and it not affect you? He says the gates are burned with fire. The, the whole idea of, of not having the ability to secure yourself or to make sure that there is security in your life. That, I mean, have you ever just driven out somewhere and at 11 o'clock at night, little elementary school kids are walking on the streets? To find out that Miami-Dade is the second highest rate of of. Sexual exploitation in the, in the entire country and the average age are 14-year-old black females. The, the gates are burned with fire. And then he says, the problem is we are a reproach. It's, it's embarrassing that we see this and have to live like this. It, it ought to embarrass you. You, you ever you ever uh, had somebody uh, from your job want to follow you home? And you'd be like, no, no, we, we'll, meet, we'll meet in the a, in a middle place, you know, because you don't want necessarily, you didn't mow the grass that week, you know, and it's, it's kind of like, no, you don't, you don't have to come by the house because you're a little embarrassed, right? Like, I, I don't want you to see the certain conditions that I'm dealing with right now. Uh, I, I'm going to keep it real. Um, I was about to invite somebody over to the house till I remembered. I got this old couch in the family room that's starting to peel. And so what I'm doing is I'm putting a throw rug over. I'm I'm putting a blanket over the little peeling little arms. And see, don't judge me, but I I don't have money to buy a new one yet. So you just got to kind of do what you got to do to keep from being embarrassed. So somebody was like, well, I'm going to come by the house. I'm like, no, I'm going to meet you at Starbucks because... embarrassing. Nehemiah says, when you look at this, somebody's got to do something. This can't continue. This, this isn't sustainable. There are, these challenges require somebody to come up with some solutions. So he says, what we ought to do is we ought to do something about this. We we ought, rather than waiting on the king, rather than waiting on uh, somebody to donate from Home Depot, we ought to be the ones to go and rebuild this wall. And just in case you think, I'm just saying, well, well, I'm just coming off the top of my head and I don't know how it's going to work out. He says, let me tell you about the favor that fuels this solution. He says in verse 18, see, what you don't know is That the hand of my God has been good upon me. And he also told them about the king's favor on his life. See, Nehemiah had a high position in the government. He had an administrative and, and security role in the king's inner circle. So when he asked the king for stuff, the king gave him a blank check. He says, when, when, you see, when, when you hear me tell you how I see God's hand directing this, that this isn't something that I'm just making up. I see God putting things in place. I see God's hand on this. I see that, that God wants to bless these efforts. He's just waiting on somebody to do something. He talked about how it's not just God's hand, but how he saw God moving humans. When I, when I tell you every time... I go to a city council meeting and they say, we're just looking for an African-American church that that wants to do something that we can get behind. When when I when I go to the the chamber of commerce meetings and they say, we're just looking for good causes to give to. When when you run into folks who are millionaires who say, I I need a good way to, to get a tax write off. Why would I be worried about if God could, when I see God's hand of favor, directing things and directing people and aligning right conditions and and making sure that there's this pathway, why wouldn't I want to do something? But here's what's interesting to me. I can tell you what I think. I can tell you about what breaks my heart. I can tell you what I think God is doing, but it means nothing if it doesn't do anything to you. The thing that blows my mind about this passage is what happens next in verse 18. There was a resolve that executed the solution. Check this out. They said, let's rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. Watch this. The Bible says they viewed it as a good work. That idea of good work is is the thing that is desirable, a course of action that is appropriate. In other words, they saw it as the right thing to do. Yeah, this this shouldn't last like this. Somebody needs to do something. There, There ought to be somebody who brings a solution. Yeah, let's be the ones to do this. Not only do they see it as the right thing to do, the Bible says they, they set their hands to the work. In other words, there, there was a commitment where they put capital in on what they said could be done. They, they had the courage, they had the foresight to say, I'm all in. Okay, some of, y'all don't, some of y'all ain't played enough poker in your life. But you don't know what it means to be all in. It, it means when, when you know you're sitting on some good stuff. When when you look at the hand you've been dealt, and and some of y'all are some card counting kind of jokers, and you done seen, uh uh-huh, you ain't got nothing, you ain't got, okay. Based upon what I believe I can do with the hand that I've been dealt, you take all of your chips and you put them in the middle because you anticipate a payoff because of what you see in your hand. Nehemiah said, when I see what's in God's hand, when I see all this stuff that ha- I'm looking for somebody to push all of the chips to the middle of the table because they anticipate God is going to show up, God is going to do big stuff, God's going to make ways, and I love the fact that the Bible says that they replied at once, they they responded immediately, they didn't they didn't need a prayer meeting. Well, we need to see the business plan. Well, I I need to. Are we going to be able to vote on this? Now they they said. Now that we hear what God is up to, now that we see the way you see it, now that we recognize something needs to be done, they said. Let's do this. Let's make this thing happen. Let's I'm all in with you. We don't know how, but I know that I have a little bit. I know that I have. You got some too? You got some too? Let's do this thing. Let's rise up and build. Let's make this happen. Let's bring it to pass because this stuff has to stop. These babies being taken advantage of has to stop. People not having jobs has got to stop. People living in poverty has got to stop. People having no place to go and no options. That's got to stop. We've got to rise up and build and God's hand is upon us. Let's do this. I wish I had two or three folks that can say I don't know how he's going to do it, but I'm all in. Let's do this. Let's see God bring this thing to pass. Let's step out on faith. Let's watch God do the impossible. I I love talking with young people who get fired up, who say, man, I would have marched with Dr. King. No, you wouldn't. In Birmingham, they had meetings to say, you will be bitten by dogs. They're going to open up the fire hose on you. But the situation changed when the young people said, let's do this. Ain't nobody scared of them. They're going to beat us down in the streets anyway. We might as well do it in front of a TV camera and make sure everybody knows how evil they are. At some point, courage and faith have to collide and come together and say, I believe what God can do. And I'm all in with whatever God is up to. I want my life to have meaning. I want my legacy to last. I want to be able to put in on a movement that changes a city for the kingdom of God. And if that's you, you need to just reach up to heaven and say, let's do this. So it's commitment Sunday. You had time to fast. You had time to pray. You've heard what the vision is. You heard about this rock center, this kingdom embassy. It's not going to be just a community center. Uh, I, I, God gave me a picture. Remember at the end of Black Panther? R- remember when him and Shuri, were st- when T'Challa and Shuri were standing in front of the apartment building where their father had to kill their uncle? And Sherry was like, I'm, they need to tear this down. Charles said, no, I bought this building and that building and that building and that building over there. And, and she said, why? He said, this is going to be the cultural outreach center for our kingdom. Where people will learn technology and people will learn how to self-evaluate themselves and bring themselves up. It's a kingdom cultural outreach center where we're going to help the underserved in our community not get missed by the blessings that when Homestead blows up, we'll help blow it up with it. It's Commitment Sunday. We're sick and tired of seeing folks sick and tired. Somebody has to do something. Why not us? So I'm asking everybody that has their pledge commitment card to have it ready. If you need one, if you forgot yours, if you heard the appeal, I need you to raise your hand, and our hosts will be happy to put one in your hand. We spent three days fasting this week to hear very clearly from God what it is that he would have us sacrifice over and above our regular tithes and offerings or to give from our 401k accounts or from a savings account. This is the time to make that commitment. Now, if you're a guest, this is your first or second time, we're not asking you to... feel obligated. This is what we are doing right now. If, if you desire to join, if God is pricking your heart, by all means you can, but don't feel any pressure. For the next two years, however you do it, there's 104 weeks that start next Sunday. Over those 104 weeks or over those pay periods or a one-time gift, what is it? That God's asking you to give. So that your legacy of faith in him will outlive you. Listen, if all we did was have great church, but it did not change the community that he put the church in, according to biblical standards, we would have failed. If I got my word, but nobody got their deliverance, so what? Jesus said, by this will all men know that you are my disciples, that they see love coming out of your life. You don't vote for change. You are change. And you vote. Did somebody get that? Okay, all right. Rather than waiting on somebody else, God put us on this earth for this time to do something Jesus said this statement don't spend your time trying to save up on earth because there are thieves there's corruption The, the stuff that you save for yourself Bernie Madoff's come and take so why not invest in the kingdom of God Because they can't corrupt it there. They can't steal it there. Don't have an American dream. Have a kingdom of God dream. You want your sons and your daughters to be able to say one day, my mom and daddy helped build that. Seeing people's lives change. Their economic circumstances change. Learning how to be parents your investment no matter how small can bring what god wants done in heaven happen on earth but you got to make your decision i'm in let's let's do this thing let's make it happen if you have your commitment card if husband and wife or single person whatever it might be I want whoever you are in covenant with about making this pledge come to pass I want you to bring them I want you to bring your commitment card I want you at this altar I'm still gonna keep it real the number God gave me I'm like Lord you're going to have to do some amazing stuff. cause I got MIT tuition to pay. But I believe God. I want to invest in stuff that lasts beyond because watch this. If I invest in him, it doesn't matter what is in my 401k account. My God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly. If you have your commitment card, I want you just to lift it up. It's a symbol of our faith, symbol of our submission to Him. Repeat after me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity to sow into your kingdom. Lord, I've heard from you. This amount I dedicate to you. As you prosper me, as you bless me, I will remember to keep my commitment that I make on today. Over the next two years. To see the Rock Center come into being. So, Lord, I thank you for what you are going to do in me, in my life, and through the Rock Center. As I trust you, I will not be in lack. I will not live in poverty. But I will watch you do more than I think possible because of my faith in you. Lord, I love you. And I receive the full reward for my investment in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. 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 Now do me a favor. Take that pledge card and say, Lord, point at it. Lord, do this. Now I want you to put it face down on the altar. And may God blow your mind with his faithfulness. Because of your faithfulness. Now look at somebody next to you. Point at them real quick and say, let's do this. Turn to the person on the other side and say, let's do this. And I'm believing God for some amazing things to take place because it's time to see God's kingdom come to bear on a homestead in Florida City so that when the world comes to check out the Cybrary, they'll have to see the folks who work in the Cybrary because of the rock Center. They'll have to take the Uber around downtown Homestead driven by the entrepreneurs who came from the Rock Center. They'll have to eat at the restaurants owned by the entrepreneurs who were trained out of the Rock Center. I wish I had somebody who could see what I see. That when they take the wrong street. And somebody said, Well, don't go down to Florida City because you don't know what you're going to see. Instead of being embarrassed, they're going to see whole community transformed because of the rock center and the folks that sowed by faith. And I'm looking forward to the day when God will make true believers out of all of us. There used to be this hymn where they said, I'm looking forward to the day when my faith becomes sight. When what I just see by faith, I can't wait till I see it with my natural eyes. And watch this. We're not gonna wait till we have two million, Caleb. We we're about to finish up the Articles of Incorporation in the next month. We've already got, we've already got two programs already lined up waiting for us to start doing this before we have a building. Because it's time to do something. Is that all right? One more time, help me give God the best praise.